world can be hard, cruel, and ugly. Trust me, it gets worse if you're hungry and thirst. Doesn't push you from position, last place to first. Can't build a foundation without having feet in the dirt. So I put in the work, grind harder than most. I don't chase accolades of the living, I'm facing a ghost. That's what makes me the GOAT. Depending on who you ask, my brother, whatever task, got it covered like a mask. Guaranteed they can't see me at the open run. Cause I cook competitors until they look well done. Don't act like you don't know where I held from. I had to climb up out the trenches, sit on benches, though my time had come. Don't be mad at the player, be mad at the game. Sneak this in the hating, that's a flag on the play. Me falling off, huh? That'll be the day I'm like, bolt in the race, leave the track, flan bay, it's the open run. Ain't no tuition and having no ambition, but didn't they tell you that bad boys move in silence? Take it from your highness and welcome to the open run with Will Strickland. That would be me. I can be found across these rough interweb streets at W underscore Strickland and the number one on Twitter. Will Strickland and the number one on IG and across all streaming platforms. We can find the open run with Will Strickland brought to you by the fine folks at Press. We are Press.net. I personally think it's kind of fly to be acknowledged for the work that you do, whether it's in your community, in your home, at work, what have you. And it's still awards season. Last week I gave out some awards for the midseason superlatives of the NBA, and this week I have some other superlatives to give out, or depending upon who you're talking to, they may not see them as that. This past Sunday, the Grammys were on. Now, for a while now, I've sided with the immortal words of William Jonathan Drayton Jr., better known to you as Flavor Flav, when he says, who gives a fuck about a goddamn Grammy? What? Because it is International Women's Aid Day, and that is E-apostrophe-R-Y-D-A-Y, I want to give some love to Megan Jovan Ruth Pete, better known to you as Megan The Stallion, who not only won Artist of the Year the first time since 1998, that a C and I hate to use that term because nobody says male MC, but to make the distinction, the first time since 1998, a C has won Best New Artist. Uh, she also picked up two other gramophones for Best Rap Song and Best Rap Performance. And this performance was done with the woman who is now tied at 28 Grammys won in her career, tying her for second place all time with the great and immortal Quincy Delight Jones II, who recently turned 88. Shouts out to Q. I got a great Michael Jackson story about Quincy Jones that I had to tell you guys one day. And also when he was taking Tamia, Grant Hill's wife, when she was first starting out in the industry. But that's a whole nother conversation. We'll talk about it some other time. Anyway, back to Beyonce, who... Funnily enough, I didn't really know her. She was in talent contests around Houston. I knew her dad better, Matthew Knowles, who I brought up to Toronto a couple of times for the Canadian Music Week music conference a couple years ago, whatever the case might be. I think the last time was 2008. That said, Miss Knowles Carter is tied for second with Quincy as the leading winners, or at least living winners, of Grammys with 28. Uh, there's a composer, I can't remember his name off the top, who's 131. I'm sure at some point, Beyonce will surpass Quincy, surpass this gentleman, the composer who has 31, and be the most prolific Grammy winner of all time. So to Mrs. Knowles Carter and Miss Ruth, i like to say salute and go ladies during International Women's A Day for your great and prolific wins showing your proficiency at your craft during the Grammys. 
I want to give some awards out. I'm feeling generous today and I want to offer an award to people that might not want these awards. I like to call them the unseasoned chicken and raisins in the tater salad awards. I don't know what kind of award you give out to that. What's like, what does the trophy look like? Listen, if you have any ideas, hit me up on my socials. You know how I get down. Hit me up. Let me know. I don't want to say that. It sounds like a SoundCloud rapper. You know what we do? No, actually we don't. But in this case, I'd like to give a shout out to the guy who you know is Papa John. I don't even care about his real name. John Slatter or something. Who recently came on and said that he's been in rehab for the past 20 months so he didn't have to say the N-word. I'm wondering where he went to rehab. Who are his counselors to help stop him from saying the N-word? I always wonder about the N-word. Why don't we just say it? Since everyone knows what the N-word is, does it make it less impactful if we don't say it? Wasn't really sure his level of jackassery could be passed so soon, so quickly, so easily. But a broadcaster during a girls basketball game in Oklahoma, guess he forgot the mic was on. Knows some young ladies kneeling during the anthem and said, these fucking niggers with the horror. Yeah, there you go, champ. He apologized and blamed his type 1 diabetes as the reason that he had an issue saying some things. They were involuntary, clearly. Maybe he needs to go and hang out with Papa John and go to rehab for 20 months. I think that would be a quality punishment. Maybe not. Then we had to move on because, you know, now that Wilford Brimley's mad, do your wiki. You'll know when I talk about diabetes, like my man said. Kirk Franklin, a.k.a. DJ Khaled for Jesus, he didn't mind the Sunday truce. If you're not familiar with the Sunday truce, you follow me on Twitter, you should know. Check out The Wire, understand the Sunday truce. Anyway, Kirk Franklin, who is listed as an American choir director, because basically all he does is talk with the records and get credit for somebody else singing. Again, it is what it is. Um, had an issue with his 33-year-old son who recorded him in an argument. Now, context is everything, so we don't know everything that was said. It wasn't like Kirk woke up and was like, yeah, I'm going to call you all these names, but he didn't sound like no churchman. As a matter of fact, he sounded wild familiar and very comfortable with those words. It looks like he must have his own scriptures. So let's turn to the book of Thessalonians, chapter one, verse one, where Kirk Franklin says, if you get an opportunity to check out the audio, you can find it online. I'm not doing it. Mr. Franklin immediately issued an apology, mostly to his parishioners and people who follow him and not so much his son and saying that he's not perfect. He messes up. Maybe he should have taken the defense of the guy from Oklahoma at the basketball game who said his sugar was up. He just said, look, my thing was up borderline borderline. Those who know will understand the phrase borderline borderline. Last but not least in our award giving today, I want to give it up for Miami Heat backup center. Backup, backup, backup center, because he wasn't playing this year. These young cats are playing for Eric Spolster down there. Myers Leonard, who, while gaming online with someone, utilized generally acknowledged as a derogatory term toward Jewish people. Once made aware of his error, his verbal diarrhea, Mr. Leonard offered an apology stating that he did not know what the term meant. But if you didn't know what it meant, because it sounded like you had a handle, much like Kirk Franklin, on how to utilize those words and put them in the phrases that would make you an Olympic gold medalist in the Cursing Olympics. But you said what you said, you apologize, you say you don't know what it means. 
Well, I apologize. And I don't know if he apologized for saying it or apologized for not knowing what it meant. New England Patriots wide receiver Julian Edelman, who he himself is Jewish and has stepped in on a couple of occasions where people have, public figures, I should say, have stepped out and done some things uh, that were derogatory toward Jewish people, offered some kind words to Leonard. He's been suspended from the NBA and from his team uh, indefinitely. Son got hit with the $50,000 felonious stupidity tax, naturally. $50,000 to a guy who's making $10 million a year is like a quarter in the couch for me and you, or some of us, I guess. And so what is the real penalty here? What's the real lesson being learned here that with social media, which I have a love and hate relationship with, can expose you like dog nuts? That people don't have good PR agents? Smart enough people around them to stop them from... Do- or maybe that's just who they are as people. I hope that we can get better. I hope we can do better. I want to do better. I want to be better. Hopefully you do the same. So to those who are silent no more, aka if you knew better, you do better crew, I wish you all the best. And to the ladies who are continuing to lead the charge on being great and showing that black girl magic, salute to you as well. And salute to each and every one of you who checks out the open run with Will Strickland for the news, views, and truths that you choose on the NBA and beyond. Come back for more right after this. Judas and the Black Messiah this weekend and thinking about Breonna Taylor. Now with movies and music now as I get older, I wait till the hype dies down around it before I watch or listen to it. But I watched the movie this past weekend first time. And if you don't know the story about the CIA plant that was in that infiltrated the Black Panthers in Illinois to stop and neutralize per the orders of the top cop in America, J. Edgar Hoover, Brother Hampton had to go. Had to go. He's doing too much to unite people in the United States of America. The irony of it all. And takes a special type of person. Not everybody can sign up. That's not a job you sign up for. Certain people are ordained to be leaders like that. There's a burden of leadership you assume when you're that kind of person. Breonna Taylor, to me, based on what I know about her, and I don't know much other than she was an EMT who was murdered by cops. She was an EMT to serve and help people. That's not a job you can necessarily just sign up for like McDonald's or something. No disrespect to McDonald's. If you work there, it's still employment. But I mean, let's be fair. It's different. It takes a special type of person to do what Breonna Taylor did. It takes a special type of person to do what Fred Hampton did. It takes a special type of person to come back and listen to me babble on about stuff other than basketball on the open run with Will Strickland. So I thank you and appreciate you for indulging me for a moment. As I was thinking about this weekend and that it was approaching March 13th, which is the day that Breonna Taylor was murdered, and March 15th, and if you're familiar with your Shakespeare, it is the Ides of March. So yesterday, March 15th, Julius Caesar uttered the phrase at two Brute when he was murdered later on in the day on March 15th, whenever the year was, I don't know what it was, I can't remember off the top, but uh, 
a soothsayer, told Julius to beware of the Ides of March, and I will tell you as a soothsayer of the brackets to beware of the Ides of the Madness of March, because the brackets are going to be broken soon. Yes, it happens. Selection Sunday happens. You see some of the teams that get in, get out. I want to talk to you guys about how we see the brackets going, how we see the tournament going at the open run. I want to run through the brackets. I want to get you prepared to win some money if you're playing in a pool or something like that. ESPN always has something with their challenge. I don't have a challenge this year. Maybe next year we will. So let's look at the brackets real quick. You know the number one seeds. To no surprise, Gonzaga, who's been number one the entire year, wire to wire. Uh, first time undefeated since 1976, the Indiana Hoosiers, who just recently fired their head coach, Archie Miller, which is surprising to me because Archie Miller is without a job, yet his brother, who's a crook, yeah, I call him a crook, and a liar, still has a job in Arizona. But that's neither here nor there. Shouts out to Gonzaga and Mark Few for a fantastic job done in Spokane. They're the number one seat in the West. I think they have the easiest bracket, especially with two teams that are on the margins of possibly being out of the tournament because of COVID testing, uh, Virginia and Kansas, who could probably pose the biggest threat to them, but we'll get that in a second. In the South, Baylor, number two, pretty much all season, um, number one seed. Illinois gets the Midwest, and when the East is in the house, oh my God, danger. The University of Michigan Wolverines, number one in the East, I have concerns I want them to win, but I have concerns because they are missing Isaiah Livers and they were 6-6 six and six without him. Let's see how they are. I think they were like 39-3 with him. So you take that out of the lineup. You take a big part of what makes Michigan Michigan in this current iteration under my man, Jawan Howard. So let's look at the first round knockouts. There will definitely be some. I'm going to go to the West because my former Rice University teammate, Brent Scott, is an assistant coach with the VCU Rams. They're a 10 seed in the West, matching up with Oregon in the first round. I don't see that as a big upset or anything like that, but I do want them to win. I want to see my man get his first head coaching job in college basketball somewhere nice as he's coached at Rice, TCU, LSU, and now at VCU. So go go Rams, I, I guess. I'm still waiting for that gear, my man. So let's make that happen. The real upset I'm looking at in the first round is the reigning and defending since we didn't have a tournament last year. National champions, the Virginia Cavaliers, they are a four seed in the West, but they're facing an Ohio team with a young man by the name of Jason Preston. And if you don't know his story already, his, his, his story might be more impressive than his game is. He's probably going to be my second favorite player in this tournament besides Oklahoma State's Cade Cunningham. But Jason Preston was not rec heavily recruited, grew a couple of inches, is destined to be a number one or first round draft pick of the NBA soon. He's a triple-double weight and a half, and he's averaging like 17, 7, and 7. So it's going to be dangerous for a defensive-minded team like Virginia, who has most of their team on, under COVID protocol right now. What they're going to do with those guys, I think that's going to be a big upset in the first round of the tournament. Another upset I'm predicting on the horizon is in the East with the 5-12 Colorado Buffaloes versus the Georgetown Hoyas, the Big East champion Georgetown Hoyas, this time under former National Player of the Year, Patrick Ewing, the big man John Thompson looking down on his squad. They destroyed Creighton in the Big East Finals. Go Hoyas. Going to talk about some on-the-cusp contenders who I believe were going to make noise. They're going to make noise in this tournament. One of them, I might predict, will go all the way to the finals. The team I'm talking about that has an opportunity to do that. Kelvin Sampson's 
Houston Cougars. I cannot believe it's a former Rice Owl. I'm saying this, my mouth hurts. But the Cougars are tough. They play hard. They have a great coach. And in their bracket in the Midwest, they have an opportunity to make some more real noise. Number two, Ohio in, in the South also has an opportunity. Ohio State, I should say. They're going to be there. I don't believe they're going to go out early. They are the Big Ten. No, they weren't the Big Ten champions. I'm sorry. Illinois was. You know, there's so many Big Ten. I think there are nine Big Ten teams in the tournament this year, which is not a record, but close to it. And I know that Ohio State is going to uh, represent the conference quite well. Gonzaga, look, I'm calling them a contender because they went wire to wire during the season undefeated. But we know the history of Gonzaga and March Madness. They've had quality teams. I think they've had better teams than the team they have now. But, well, I guess they have better players, but not a better team. And that's the difference here. So I want to see Gonzaga make it all the way at least to the Final Four. Let's see it. Mark Few, I've already bigged you up already. Let's talk about the pretenders. Like the number eight seed in the South, the North Carolina Tar Heels. Why is UNT even in the tournament? Why? Why? Somebody wants to give me some heads up on why they're in the tournament. I think there are teams that are better than them that should have had. But uh, you know what? I'm not going to go into that. They're in the they're in the tournament. Hopefully they're out soon, like the first round. I'm not a Roy Williams fan at all. Sorry. And my last pretender. I got to give it up for the Iona Gales being guided into the tournament by Rick Pitino, a.k.a. Ricky Three Stacks, one of three men to ever lead five teams to the dance. The other two men, Lon Kruger and Tubby Smith. And there's something about failing up. And I guess it's the Sean Miller caught this Rick Pitino disease. But, you know, you get, I'm not going to go into too deep in the story if you know anything about what happened at the University of Louisville and the hookers and the recruits and the money it's always around Rick Pitino but he can coach so I guess you know if you can coach we can overlook those transgressions but if somebody bought Kate Cunningham a sandwich he can't play anymore whatever uh, but shouts out to them hopefully they're out in the first round as well nothing against the kids everything against the coach also see you Duke they were 12 and 11 this year they opted out of the tournament is a good idea. If they had been chosen for the tournament, I would have been so pissy. After 24 straight tournaments, they're finally out. Kentucky, the Blue Bloods, talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Some of these guys are not going to be in. And if Kansas opts out because of COVID, it's a whole new world out here. And for all those people who always thought that if all these guys, if all these young players go to play overseas or they go to play in the G League or they play in the overtime elite that I talked about last week, then there would be no March Madness. No, there's always going to be someone like Jason Preston whose story and game will captivate everyone and make young kids out there who don't feel like they have a chance think about having a chance. There might be the next... I'm not going to go that far with Steph Curry, but you know. Anyway, let's go through the brackets real quick. I'm going to tell you who's winning the first and second rounds, and then I'm going to stop because next week I'll have my Sweet 16 and my Elite 8, and we'll go from there. But for right now, let's go to the West. First round winners, Gonzaga, Oklahoma, Creighton, Virginia, even though I think Ohio might upset them. I'm going to say Virginia in my bracket. I have it as Virginia, depending upon what happens with the with the protocols. Uh, USC, uh, Kansas, VCU, and Iowa over Grand Canyon. Dane Marley used to coach there, if I'm not mistaken. Now I think the Bryce Drew is there. The Drew family is has a rich history. Scott Drew, his brother, is coaching at Baylor. Father Homer Drew coached him at Valpo and Valparaiso in Indiana when uh, Bryce Drew made his, his mark in the NCAA tournament for history with that last second shot. So in the South, we are running Baylor, 
Wisconsin. Villanova, even though I think Winthrop has an opportunity, those 5-12 matchups, they're always scary. Purdue, Texas Tech, Arkansas, Virginia Tech over Florida, and Ohio State. In the East, Michigan, LSU, Georgetown, Florida State, Michigan State, Texas, Maryland, watch out for them, and Alabama. Also watch out for them. A two seed, they are very, very strong. I was surprised, I must admit. And to close out the first round, the Illini of the University of Illinois, Georgia Tech, Tennessee, Oklahoma State, San Diego State, West Virginia, Rutgers, and Houston round out the field. Let's go to the field of 32 now. Back out west, I have Gonzaga, Virginia, Kansas, and Iowa moving on. In the east, I have Michigan, Florida State, Texas, and Alabama advancing. That's going to be a very, very competitive bracket. And last but not least, to round out our Sweet 16, with the final four teams, the Midwest will yield Illinois, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and Houston, my dark horse championship team. Hopefully your bracket will look as good as mine will after this first round and we can all walk toward one shining moment in Indianapolis. But for now, walk toward another shining moment on the podcast where basketball and life are one. We're going to run down the women's tournament. Selection Monday was last night. So let's run the resume and keep doing what's popular with the population. You know what it is. The Open Run with Will Strickland. Come back for more. back to the open run with Will Strickland where the lecture is conducted from the mic into the speaker and I wanted to give a shout out to the rapper No Name, the FMC from Chicago. One of my students in the class I teach on hip-hop culture wrote about her and I wasn't really familiar with her work but my student, well let's just say that the babies teach me too. So I want to shout out No Name. I am going to check out your music. I've never really listened to it, but I'm going to try and dig in a little bit more and learn a little bit more about you because I think you have quality work. Salute to you and salute to all the women who will be making their way down to San Antonio to play in the Women's National Basketball Championship for March Madness. Yes, it's a wide open tournament. There are at least 12 teams I can see that have an opportunity to win this whole thing, including the top four. The top team in the tournament, the Stanford Cardinal, Tara Vanderveer, the winningest coach in women's basketball history right now. Um, Gianna Rayema is just behind her. The Lady Huskies, also a number one in their region, even though every team is going to play in San Antonio, much like the men are all playing in the Indianapolis area. But the other number ones outside of UConn and Stanford. And by the way, UConn won't have Coach Oriema on the bench. Uh, he has COVID-19. He is under protocol until the 24th of March. But uh, I don't know if that's going to make a whole lot of difference. They're going to roll through the tournament, I believe, uh, as much as they possibly can with who I believe is the player of the year in women's college basketball, Paige Buckets, Paige Beckers, who I want to challenge the hardship rule for women's basketball. I'd love to see her do that. Anyway, number one, Stanford. Number one, UConn. Number one, the North Carolina Wolfpack of the ACC. And last but not least, Hall of Fame coach, Don Staley. The University of South Carolina Gamecocks. They're going to be there. But I'm more worried about some of these number twos. I think, again, Baylor, 
doing the thing down there. Ken Mulkey, guess you're back, COVID or not. Maryland, Louisville, and Texas A&M, who I thought was going to get a number one seed. They did not. Um, but they're all dangerous. Every one of those second seeds has actually won a national championship except Louisville. But they're going to be really competitive. I don't know who's going to win this. If you have a bracket, run your bracket. I'd love to know. You can hit me up with my socials and, and we can compare notes. But right now, I'm looking at those top four seeds basically going through except for North Carolina State. Not picking them. Although it would be kind of cold if both Houston in the men's bracket and North Carolina State in the women's bracket made it to the final. It would definitely remind me of the 1983 NCAA final in the pit in New Mexico where Lorenzo Charles, the late Lorenzo Charles, caught an alley-oop over Akeem Olajuwon, back then spelled with an A and not the H, as the Houston Cougars lost the North Carolina State Wolfpack, Jim Valvano. Bless the dead. Once again, um, way back in 1983, I remember watching that game with my uncle. He kept telling me to shut up during the game because I was talking so much. Now I get paid to do it. (laughs) Kudos and congratulations to the 2021 Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame nominees, first-timers like Doug Collins, former NBA player with the Philadelphia 76ers, and coach in the NBA, as well as the 1972 Olympic gold medal winner, even though the award was given to the Russians. Long story, check the documentary. That 72 team was tough. Also on the ballot, five-time NBA champion, and participant in the Open Runs Know Your Role Top Role Players of All Time Tournament coming up next, Michael Cooper from the Los Angeles Lakers. Blake Howard Garfinkel from the Five Star Camps. If you're one of the top players in the country back in the 70s and 80s and, and even in the 90s, Five Star was like an honor to go there. And uh, Mr. Garfinkel was one of the best talent scouts of young players in the history of the game, as far as I can recall. Lou Henson, former coach of the Fighting Illini of the University of Illinois. I remember him recruiting me uh, when I was in high school. So shouts out to Lou, Coach Lou. Paul Pierce, the truth. Boston Celtic forever even though he's been everywhere else after that. Like, how many teams did he play for after you? Anyway, he's going, and as a Celtic, we know this. Paul Pierce, first-timer, former WNBA commissioner and current Big East commissioner Val Ackerman on the list. And finally, WNBA stars Yolanda Griffith and Lauren Jackson, as well as returnees Chauncey Billups, Chris Bosh, Rip Hamilton, Huggy Bear Bob Huggins, West Virginia coach Ben Wallace, Chris Weber. Is there a case for Macy Edward Christopher Weber III to be a Hall of Famer? Lots of people think so. I don't know if his NBA career was enough. And what he did at the University of Michigan, outstanding, but they didn't win. But again, we talk about the Hall of Fame. It's not always about the Hall of Achievement. They That's why they called it the Hall of Fame. Chris Weber was famous. Fat Five, famous. Villanova coach Dave Wright, swing cast uh, of the WNBA. And Becky Hammond, also of the WNBA, they're back on the ballot. So good luck to all of you. I hope you all make it. But if you don't, the honor is in being recognized. And now onward and upward to March 11th, the day the league stopped. I haven't touched the basketball since last March. Like I haven't shot a basketball. I haven't played a game. It's the longest time since I've been playing that I've not played and it's killing me. And that sounds so small in comparison to what's going on and the reason why I haven't played. So I mean no disrespect to anyone who's lost their life or loved one to COVID. But I miss basketball. I miss playing it. I'm getting older. I only have so many years that I can still do this at some reasonable level. Closest thing I can get to that. It's holding my Madness in March 
the Know Your Role Tournament. The top 16 role players in NBA history, at least since the merger in 1976. So once you know that the second round, the Elite Eight, is now complete. For those who don't know, the first round matched up Robert Ory versus downtown Freddie Brown, 1-16. Ory got that one easily. Right under them, Danny Green versus Bobby Jones. That was a tough matchup. Danny Green, owner, one-time owner of the record for the most threes made in the NBA Finals Series, broken by Steph Curry just shortly after that, a couple of years later. And he has three rings with three different teams. Hard to knock that. When you have a man they knew as the Minister of Defense, was a nine-time all-defensive team member. First team eight times. There's only one other person who was on the all-defensive team that many times, and his name is the late, great Kobe Bean Bryant. Bobby Jones won one championship, but he was the guy who had to guard everyone from Larry Bird to Magic Johnson in these finals. So he's not like, I don't know who Danny Green was guarding. Sometimes, you know, he did enough to, to get by, but that was a tough one, and Bobby Jones edged him out. The accolades were too much one way or the other. And when we're thinking about it, when you think about how we're doing this, there are you know, I guess clutch minutes, what you do in the cl- in crunch time on the court, as well as what you've done in the playoffs throughout your career. And to some degree, some of your regular season accolades do come into the play. It'd only be fair because that's also a part of being a role player. It's not the most clutch players in history. It's the role players. So Bobby Jones eked out a victory against Danny Green. In the uh, four versus 13 Derek Fisher versus Sam Cassell. You would think that a man with five championship rings would win that matchup. But in a big upset. And I don't know if it's that big of an upset because everywhere that Sam Cassell went, he helped his team to the playoffs and had some huge playoff moments. If you know anything about Hughes, you remember when Sam would make those, he's the master of the mid-range. When he would make those big shots during the playoffs, he run holding his, um, let's just say, that he wanted everyone to know he had lots of testicular fortitude. I'll leave it at that. But Sam Cassell hit some big shots as a rookie in Houston. He led Minnesota. He led Milwaukee to the playoffs. He led New Jersey to the playoffs. Now the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, New Jersey Nets. Now the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, everywhere he went. He was even a part of the 2008 Boston Celtic Championship team. Had some key minutes in there too. So Sam Cassell. Even though he didn't rent, he won three rings, so he's in that mix with Derek Fisher. They just played a bigger role, and it was much more clutch when it counted. I mean, we can count the 0-4 shot against San Antonio that Fisher hit, but outside of that, name another playoff moment Derek Fisher had. There it is. We'll move on to the 6th and 11th matchup between Andre Tyler Iguodala and Steven Douglas Kerr. This was a relatively easy matchup. Now, while Steve Kerr had a key clutch moment in the 1997 NBA Finals where he saved Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Oh, I'm saying I'm not supposed to say that about Jordan. Anyway, where he hit the big shot to help the Bulls win a game against the Utah Jazz. It wasn't enough to overcome Iguodala and what he did for Kerr in the 2015 NBA Finals. Coming in to quote-unquote shut he who shan't be named down and hold him to a lowly and paltry 36 14 and 9 throughout the six game series so Iguodala moves on in a 215 matchup Manu Ginobili mauls Jason Terry Jason Terry had some moments but Manu Ginobili with the four championships plenty of playoff moments plenty of clutch moments it was just too easy in the 7 and 10 matchup between Draymond Green and Vinnie Johnson we have a slight upset as rounded as Draymond Green's game was 
Think about who Vinnie Johnson heated up against to close them out from the Bulls to the Celtics and the Lakers and then scoring after not scoring in the first half. Like he was off in the first half of game five versus Portland Trailblazers in the 1990 NBA Finals. Then Isaiah Thomas, not Isaiah Jamar Thomas, as a lot of people like to misspell and misquote or misrepresent the real Isaiah. Not him, but Isaiah Lord Thomas III and Joe Dumars deferred to Vinnie Johnson because he scored 15 of the last points for the Pistons then closed them out with a game-winning jumper to win the 1990 championship. Vinnie Johnson moves on. Any 3-14 matchup between Chauncey Billups and Mario Eli, while Mario Eli, the kiss of death shot, it was great. He was a great player for both San Antonio and for Houston. But Chauncey, seven straight conference finals in both conferences total. One championship, two finals appearances. And all the shots and all the things he did to keep his team close. A team of non-stars. A couple of guys now eligible for the Hall of Fame because of it. Chauncey Ray Billups was the straw that stirred that drink in Detroit. He moves on. Michael Cooper, Tony Kukoc. Coop, easy. We move on. So the new matchups for the Elite Eight are the 1-9 matchup between Robert Keith Ory and Bobby Jones. The 2-10, Manu Ginobili versus Vinnie Johnson. 3 versus 5, Chauncey Billups versus Michael Cooper. The 6-13 matchup between Andre Iguodala and Sam Cassell. Who do you have? If your bracket is broken, it's okay. You still have an opportunity to win if you can figure out my winner. We'll see how it looks. We'll take a chance because if you didn't know already, for those who are playing this in different places on social media, I do have your results. You can't lie to me. I'm like West Indian Archie chasing Malcolm Little out of the club in Harlem. You didn't accommodate me. You didn't figure it out. You see Spike Lee's X. You'll get the, the reference. Anyway, if your bracket matches mine, you win a great prize pack courtesy of Full Court 21 Canada and this small company called Nike. But you know, it's not how we start. It's how we finish. And we're going to finish strong on the fine program we'd like to call The Open Run with Will Strickland. So come back right after this. <laughs> last Saturday. Played great. 27 minutes, 13 points. I'm just happy the young man is healthy, back doing what he loves. I'm looking forward to seeing how he can help his Indiana Pacers move forward toward the playoffs. want to give some love to my man Carmelo Kayem Anthony for surpassing the great and immortal Hakeem Abdul Olajuwon for 11th on the all-time scoring list. Up next for Melo is the biggie, Elvin Hayes, and Moses Malone. I think he'll catch both of them before the end of the season. So keep rooting Melo on to become a top 10 scorer in NBA history all time. Also, shouts out go to my man James Edward Harden Jr. Some people don't think he should be on the MVP list because of what he did in Houston and how he forced his way out. But he's playing like an MVP without Kevin Wayne Durant and with Kyrie Andrew Irving. He's doing his thing. 
He had a triple-double last night. It was ridiculous. He just passed the legend, Larry Zavisco. I felt like saying that. It sounded just like the old wrestling guy. I, I don't know the guy's name who used to say that because the living legend, Larry Zabisco. I don't know why I'm quoting wrestling, but we're talking about the real legend, Larry Joe Bird. James Harden passed him for 34th on the list. It's almost kind of crazy to announce that someone passed someone for 34th on the list. But we just did that. Trade deadline is approaching. Lots of guys getting bought out, waived, whatever the case might be. Lots of opportunity for teams making that final push toward the playoffs to bolster their benches, bolster their lineups with some spare parts. LaMarcus Aldridge, formerly of the San Antonio Spurs, they agreed mutually to part ways. It's always nice when they say stuff like that. They're like, hey, look, man, you're injured all the time. You make $55 billion. You're not really doing what we thought you'd do. You know, coming to San Antonio really didn't yield a whole lot. It is what it is. He's out there. Available for a team to pick up. He's a 35-year-old power forward with a good mid-range jumper. Couldn't guard anybody to save his life at this point. And uh, yeah, DeMarcus Cousins could be a let's save to later. Because I have a feeling he's going to wait for LA to call him. But that's just me. And I'm not talking about the Clippers. And the last buy I'll, I'll kind of highlight right now is my man, Anthony Leon Tucker. You might know him better as PJ Tucker. Don't ask me how they got PJ from Anthony Leon. It's a whole nother conversation. Could he be someone that could help a playoff team with toughness in that corner three? You never know. It might end up in, nah, they already got Billy Griffin. They got enough. How many more people are they going to put up against? I'm not going there either. The trade deadline doesn't look like the Raptors are going to trade Kyle Lowry. He's going to stay there for the duration. Hassan Whiteside, not being used a whole lot. Maybe he'll get traded. Maybe if Luke Walton doesn't get fired before they, you know, move this guy, Whiteside. And let me... Before Luke Walton goes off in that fair night, because I think they will not retain him eventually, I want to give him his flowers. Luke Walton is a person who told Julius Randle when he was coaching in Los Angeles, and Julius was still playing there, if he played more like Draymond Green, he would be an all-star. If he concentrated on rounding out his game, he would be an all-star. He found new life in at least 40 minutes on the court with Tibbs in New York. So, shouts out to Luke Walton for helping out Julius Randle. He'll probably be out of the job soon. I'm talking about Luke Walton. Hassan Whiteside, they're probably going to move him. He could be the consolation prize. He's just 30. He led the league in block shots last year. I mean, you want interior defense. The Lakers, you know, with their concerns about Anthony Davis's injury. And we'll talk about that in a second. And his injury history, quite frankly. Having a big man in the middle who can catch and sometimes shoot and definitely block shots, keep you all in lane. He's just foul prone. We'll see how that plays out if he gets traded. But Hassan Whiteside's on the board. Andre Drummond is the apple of everyone's eye right now. At least contending teams who want a big man in the middle who can run, who can jump, who's 27 years old, just entering his prime physically and basketball-wise. He's got an expiring contract, so he could be enticed to stay long-term if the situation is right. But for right now, he could be a rental for a quality team. Again, we'll see how the Cavaliers play that. But going back to what I was saying about AD and looking at the fact that he's going to be out at least another two weeks after the All-Star game. We just found out Kevin Durant is going to stay out another one to two weeks in addition to the two weeks after the All-Star game as people are erring on the side of caution. I understand that. 
These guys both have serious injury histories and the teams are really kind of rolling along without them, which is what you're supposed to do. Next man up. And so when they come back to try and integrate those guys into what the teams are doing that they represent, they'll only make them stronger toward the playoffs. We'll see how they come back. When you look at these injuries, Durant, AD, Joel Embiid, who has a bruised knee, he's supposed to be out at least one to two weeks. I start to think about when they were in high school and how many games they played. Blake Griffin, the depth and breadth of some of the injuries these young guys get. But I know because they play so much basketball when they're younger on the AAU circuit for nothing, that once they get to the NBA and they're like 18, 19, 20 years old, their bodies aren't fully formed yet. And they've been exhausted by playing all these games. But I guess $45 million can help you deal with a lot of exhaustion. So let us run around the league and check out who's at the top of the Eastern and Western Conference. It's still as it was before the All-Star break. The Philadelphia 76ers at 27-12 and 12 at the top. But we're going to see how they play without Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons, this is your life. The Utah Jazz at 28-10 and 10 in the West, still leading the pack and leading the league with the best record. So our power 10, Utah at 1. Phoenix, look, Phoenix is very, very real. They have the second best record in the league, but they are real. And Eddie Johnson, their color commentator for their TV team, said something I thought was really interesting. He's like, we're going to watch a team like Portland when they played Portland last week. Portland came out shooting a bunch of threes, trying to get up early. Eventually, those go cold. And Eddie Johnson was right. Keep making twos, keep playing defense, keep rebounding. Keep limiting the team to one shot, and eventually you will make a run. And that's what they've been doing, staying disciplined. That's a very difficult thing to do when you start to look at the scoreboard, especially with young players. So Phoenix with Monty Williams, and let's be clear, tell me a place that Chris Paul hasn't gone and won. I'm not talking about winning championships, but actually changing the culture and bringing a culture to a team. When was the last time Phoenix won something? I'll wait. Chris Paul, got to give it up. Christopher Emmanuel Paul doing his thing down there in the Valley of the Sun. But Phoenix at two, Brooklyn at three, got to give it up. James Harden, Kyrie Irving, you got Blake Griffin now. We'll see how they do, see how they move. At four, Philadelphia. At five, the Lakers. At six, Milwaukee. At seven, the Clippers, who have some very, very interesting questions to answer. Do they have it in them? There's a reason why Kawhi Leonard did not sign a long-term deal with the Clippers. Denver at 8, the San Antonio Spurs at 9, and the Portland Trailblazers at 10. Want to send happy 33rd birthday wishes out to Wardell Stephen Curry II, another kid from Akron, Ohio. Imagine that, Steph Curry being 33 years old. We're going to miss these guys when they're gone. I know there are going to be a new crop of stars and everything else, but when you have an opportunity to see all-time greats, and let's face it, Steph's an all-time great. This guy, his game changed the game, expanded the floor dramatically, opened up the floor in a way that we've never seen in basketball. You got to give the devil his due if you want to call them the devil, but he's not. So happy birthday, Steph. Like I said, he's from Akron. And if you don't know anything about Akron, just a quick history lesson. It's a small Rust Belt town with at least 30% black population, lots of poverty, lots of crime. At one time it was thriving and they had the Goodyear Tire Factory there, not too far away from Cleveland. And they produce what will be four Hall of Fame players. The first of which, Nate the Great Thurman. Nate Thurman was a beast. He's the, he got the first quadruple double in the history of the game. The only other person to grab as many rebounds as Russell and Chamberlain in one game, Nate Thurman. Hall of Fame inductee in 1985. He's from Akron. 
He played on a team with a guy by the name of Gus Johnson, who was one of the toughest guys in the NBA. So imagine trying to score on them in high school. And Gus, they called him Honeycomb. He had this gold tooth. And he was he was strong as hell. At 6'6", he was playing center in the NBA. You didn't want to mess with him in the league. But he was one of the first guys that, like, he loved to dunk. He would dunk on anybody. So in the 60s, dunking was a little bit different than it is now. And Gus would dunk on any and everybody. He, too, is from Akron. And the other two. Steph Curry is a lot to make the Hall of Fame. We already know this. And that other guy, the kid from Akron, was just happy to be here. He who shan't be named. Why am I bringing him up now? Why am I talking about Akron? Why am I talking about this guy? It's because just recently, there was a call for this man to disclose whether or not he was going to take the COVID vaccine. Now, the NBA had propped up and, and, and put commercials out with the great Bill Russell, the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, as a way of encouraging people from the African-American communities, which have been disproportionately afflicted. And it's true that he who shan't be named is an influencer, whether you like it or not. Social media generates as much love, if not more so, than it does the hate. And there's this odd dynamic of entitlement of these athletes, of these influencers, by the social media public who believe that they should display and let them know everything that's going on in, life, in their lives. I don't care how many times you make a sandwich a day. And he does display a lot of stuff on the social media. He's sharing parts of his life, but he's sharing the parts he chooses to. No one complain when he chooses to share what he shares. Why are you choosing to complain now? No one would ever accuse him of taking a situation and trying to help it enhance his own personal profile. No, we wouldn't do that when we scream at that. But again, not here to make combat, here to make solution. My dear old Graham's Bless the Dead used to always say, baby, some shit just ain't for you. And some things aren't for everybody. Hugh Shan't Be Named was very, very public about not even playing last year in the bubble, especially after the shooting of Jacob Blake. He was ready to leave. And as Giannis said, as the big dog goes, we follow. And we know who the big dog is. With the All-Star Game this year, in the midst of COVID, knowing the kinds of large gatherings that are created by the excitement around the All-Star Game, the world's best player said he'd be there in body, but not in spirit. He didn't think it was a good idea. Also, shout out to him because during the All-Star Game, everything was about supporting HBCUs and the frontline um, workers. Uh, his brand, his line at Nike is going to outfit the Florida A&M University um, athletic team. So shouts out to them and congratulations. But to go back to what my grandmother said, everything ain't for you, baby. It's not. This man, while he does have an obligation to his community, as he, he exhibits time and time again, stepping up when he could be standing back, extending himself beyond what most would do, because most talk about it and he's doing. I have a firm and, and keen understanding of personal pronoun use. So what is yours is yours, and what is mine is mine. And what we should all understand is that that is a personal choice, and hopefully he can find the balance between letting people and encouraging people who follow him and who look up to him to know that we need this inoculation, to do your research and be as educated as possible before you make your personal choice. And hopefully your personal choice for the news, views, and truths that you choose on the NBA and beyond is the open run with Will Strickland. So until next week, do what's popular with the population. Make sure you don't get beat off the dribble and listen to my man, Rich Kid, do his thing on the way out. Easy.